Cuckoo, everyone. Cuckoo. Welcome to Eurofile. My name is Kate Walker. And I'm Catherine Rory. Hi, Kat. How hey, are you doing? Good morning. <laughs> How are you doing? What's up? You know, just enjoyed a lovely breakfast that you just mm-hmm. made for us some mm-hmm. Swedish pancakes. Mm-hmm. It's my first time trying those. Absolutely obsessed. They're perfect. Mm-hmm. It's like a crepe but like a little bit heavier so it like yeah. mm-hmm. feels like more of like I'm satisfied I had two oh good and I'm very satisfied very happy that was so good thank good. you those are definitely a, a staple in the Walker household yeah for good reason yeah <laughs> how are yeah. you doing what's up I'm good just researching flights to go to yes. Europe this summer Please. so that's very fun that's um, it's all very TBD so we'll see I don't know with COVID it's like yeah up in the air but we'll see mm-hmm. hopefully we can make it happen and be safe yeah. and all of those things and but we can eat pasta and oh be my God. sexy in the sea yeah I just want to <laughs> be wine. tan and drink wine and yes. walk down beach to Airbnb yeah. Airbnb to beach yep to a restaurant that's mm-hmm. it I can't wait mm. yeah Okay, so this week is my week. Do you mind if I get into it? Please. So since we are looking at a calendar now. We are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we are Americans, as you know, it is blatantly <laughs> obvious. Um, we are going to discuss some black history because yes. it is Black History Month. Mm-hmm in the u.s and so we are going to talk about well i'm going to talk about this this week the plassage and tignan laws of louisiana under french and spanish rule great something i don't know a thing about immediately i can already tell you so yes this is very informative (laughs) so i have family in new orleans like i went to school in louisiana i have family Mm -hmm. from louisiana you know so i am familiar I've heard of these rules and laws, however, I haven't really dived too deep into the history of it, okay. you know, just mm-hmm. in random walking tours in the French Quarter, and I'm aware, like, some streets are named, have Spanish names and French names, and, you know, mm-hmm. what does it mean? Yeah. It's an endless source of, you know, like a topic. So I wanted to be as thorough as I possibly can be. Obviously, I don't want this to be ours. Yeah. But (laughs) as far as like, you know, some terms, some laws, I want to get into that and understand those implications for the Plassage and Tignan laws that I want to discuss. Okay, great. So... Obviously, we know as Americans, but maybe some people do not know, that New Orleans is situated. It's on the Mississippi River. It's in the Gulf of Mexico. It's like a really big port starting in the 1700s. So it was founded by the French. Obviously, Mm -hmm. there were Native Americans who were here first, but founded by the French and ruled for 40 years by the Spanish and then given back to the French and then bought by the United States in 1803 mm-hmm. by some a little something we call the Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> right. <laughs> so New Orleans is known for like its distinct Creole culture and obviously so many years of history. And Creole means a person of mixed European and black descent, especially like referring to someone from the Caribbean. Okay. Thank you. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's Creole Cajun, but I'm talking yes. about 
Creole in particular. So in 1762 and 1763, France signed treaties ceding Louisiana to Spain. So for 40 years, New Orleans was a Spanish city, you know, trading Mm -hmm. with Cuba and Mexico. Obviously, it was very influenced and adopted Spanish racial rules that allowed for like a class of free people of color. And then there was like fires. The Spanish helped rebuild New Orleans. So that's why a lot of architecture is Spanish. And the big cathedral was built by the Spanish in New Orleans. And then in 1803, it was reverted back to the French. And then 20 days later, sold it to the United States. Okay. So we have to understand, like, it was both... French and Spanish. Yes. Right? Okay. Okay, so we're going to go back to the 1600s to, like, really understand what this means. Okay. (laughs) So, Le Code Noir was established by the French King Louis XIV in 1685. So, it really was important to define the conditions of slavery in the French colonies. Mm-hmm. So it restricted the activities of people of color. It mandated the conversion of all enslaved people to be Catholic, basically, oh. and defined punishments given out to enslaved people. So there were some, we'll, we'll discuss, I don't want to say good things, but there were maybe some okay things that, yeah. like maybe some progression that had happened. Obviously, having enslaved people is not a good thing. Right. So I want to be very clear about this. Okay. So the writers of this code believed that enslaved people were human people, which, like, thanks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And had a soul, and that soul needed to be saved. Obviously, these, you know, French were Catholics. Yeah. Yeah. And so Le Code Noir encouraged enslaved people to be baptized and, you know, educated to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great. The code prohibited enslaved people from publicly practicing any other religion other than, you know, Catholic religion. So Protestant religion, voodoo, any yeah. other like pagan sort of influenced religions. And the code extended to punishing masters who would allow enslaved people oh. to practice these Okay. Okay, we get it. You're fucking Catholic. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'll talk about some, like, permissions that they made and then some prohibitions that they made. Okay. So weddings between enslaved people strictly required the master's permission, but also required the enslaved person's own consent, which was different because they could could have been married or, like, sold off, like, without their consent. Yes. So... I guess that's something. Crumbs. Yeah. Thanks. Like, go fuck yourself. Children born to married enslaved people were also enslaved, and they would belong to the mom's master. Okay. If that makes sense. Because there are free people now, okay, Mm -hmm. and they can obviously have children with people who are enslaved, right? Okay, yeah. So here are some caveats to this. So children who are born to a an enslaved male and a free female were mm-hmm. free. So like if your dad, oh, okay, or if your dad was enslaved and your mom was free, then you are a free person okay. of color. However, if your 
mother was an enslaved person and your father was free, you were enslaved. Okay. They just, like, stick with the mom. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I know it's confusing and it's, like, a lot, but it just really... I just really want to, like, drive home, like, how... There are so many caveats to this stupid rule. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense, like, at all. I mean, it makes sense because they're greedy and want yeah, free labor. But, like, you know, I just really want to drive home. Like, there are so many implications. And so because of these rules, there's now becoming more free people of color. Okay. In Louisiana. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not just necessarily just enslaved black people. Mm -hmm. So some prohibitions we'll talk about. Any enslaved people belonging to different masters must not gather at any circumstance. Okay, that's kind of a given. Makes sense. As far as, like, that goes, they cannot sell sugar cane, even with the permission of their masters. Uh, Enslaved people should not sell any other commodity, so they are not entitled to any free, free trade, anything like that. I guess this is nice, like, thanks. So masters must give food and clothes to their enslaved people, even those who are sick or old. Oh, like, they didn't so do generous. that before. So now that this is, is a law. So yeah. uh, how could they expect these people to feed themselves or to care for themselves? I mean, they, they it's wouldn't. a whole other unimaginable, yeah. like, yeah. hatred and greed. Yeah. But I guess, like, religion kind of helped in this way like okay you see us as people with like enslaved people who have souls yeah i don't know it's just fucked i don't know yeah but i just like really want to drive home like this is what's going on right now okay so i don't really want to get into the specifics of punishments but it basically this code noir outlawed the worst punishments owners could inflict upon their enslaved mm-hmm. people and led to an increased population of like free population of people of color you know enslaved people were still subject to harsh treatment this didn't really do much but just i just want to drive home like there are more people in the free population now because of this law Okay. okay with more free people around you know what that means more socializing which brings me to this my first thing i wanted to talk about is this Thing called plessages. So the plessage system developed from an abundance of men in like colonial places. You know, there's no white women around. Okay. And so they took women as like sort of like consorts from like Native Americans to free women of color or some like enslaved Africans. And this happened because, you know, what European woman is trying to go to a colonial place where there's not a guarantee of, you know, shelter, of food, of anything. Yeah, yeah. And following these men as a single woman and being like, hmm, let's go. Like, no, France is fine. I've never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, France has it, you know, like, I know I can get a baguette and I know where I can get my clothes. Yeah, and my house is already built. Yeah, I don't need to I'm like help as a single woman. Yeah, why, why would am I you? trying to go to the Caribbean where nothing is guaranteed? You know. Yeah, and it's hot. You know. <laughs> um, so, given the harsh conditions in the colonies, persuading white French women or white European women was not easy. Mm-hmm. And so France tried to help by sending women 
So say like if your husband was in debt mm-hmm. and so they were like convicted to, they sh- tried to ship off their, the husband to the colonies or whatever okay. to like pay off his debt or whatever, they would make the wife go too. Oh. Yeah. But this plissage system was first developed in Saint-Domingue, which is, like, where Haiti is. Okay. So France sent women from poorhouses to the West Indies, where they had this reputation of being, like, former sex workers. And I guess people in Saint-Domingue complained because they were like, we don't want to marry former you know yeah. like okay yeah all the prejudices against we that don't too. see yeah we yeah. don't want to have them our, as our wife yeah so they stopped you know sending sex workers to the west indies so there's this thing now where it's so like plissages it was sort of like this social agreement of where these white European men would live with and sort of like almost married to women of color. And so they would get like money and, you know, a house and obviously they would have children and have their children taken care of. So with this like intermingling of races, you know, we start getting what was referred to as mulattoes. So one white parent and one black parent. And going further down the line was a quadroon. So mm. I've never heard that it term. A, it was a fractional term referring to a person with one white parent and one mulatto parent. So it's like a quarter black. Okay. Okay. So like, obviously the lighter the skin tone the more desirable it was you know back Mm -hmm. then because louisiana obviously you know is has all these races and ethnicities and you know it's a, a lot of time has been been passed so now there's these things called quadroon balls so there's these social events designed to encourage mixed race women to form liaisons with wealthy white men in a system of concubinage. Concubinage. It's it's the same thing as the La Plassage. It's the same, like, having this sort of, like, social contract. You're not married to them. You don't have an actual contract that you sign. Yeah. But it's, like, this social contract that you're their wife while they're in New Orleans, kind of. Yeah. How Mm -hmm. wild. It's just, I've never heard of this before. Yeah. So these quadroon balls were, you know, they threw money at this thing. They're elegant and elaborate. Whose money? I wonder. Like the men? There's I, I more guess free people. There. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Everyone. I mean, it's a human thing to want to be coupled up. I guess. Yeah. So everyone's just trying to couple up. And I think the whole idea was like, you're just playing the system. Like the system is broken. Obviously. Yeah. And obviously, if you can't have, and like, who has the most money? White, wealthy European men. And you're trying to play the system. Like, your mom is pushing you to have a plusage with some dude. And the system's telling you to have lighter skinned children. Yes. You want to have a lighter skinned child. Yeah. And they have a better chance to be taken care of. Yeah. Like, I I understand it. You're just trying to survive, you know? Mm hmm. Although, you know, race mixing, you know, quote unquote, was 
prohibited by New Orleans law. It was common for white gentlemen to attend these balls and sometimes like leaving white only balls to go to these quadroon balls because they were more fun and you know prettier women and Mm -hmm. yeah you know the whole point is to have a plasage with a wealthy european man okay you don't get your bag yes is what i say Mm -hmm. and like it wasn't all about money it could be about love too you know it's like yeah you know but maybe because of you know the social constructs of this time they couldn't be legally married to yes. like together yeah so by 1786 Esteban Rodriguez Miro was the Spanish governor of Louisiana and he did not like these oh, plasage yeah. this system that was going on and he was racist and considered black women showing too much luxury for their bearing at this time. Oh, Jesus, yeah. And so white women began to encourage Miro to act to restrict the fashion of non-white women. Mm. So non-white passing women of this time wore their hair naturally, like beautifully. They could do ornate feathers in their hair, like have beautiful like designs. So they introduced this law called the Tignon Law, which made women cover their hair. So Miro hoped that the Tignon Law would control women who had become too light-skinned or dressed too elegantly, or who in reality competed too freely with white women for status and thus Mm. threatened the social order of things. So, yeah, so it's basically like using fabric to cover your hair. Yeah. So instead of this being considered a badge of dishonor, the tignon, or you could call it chignon, became a fashion statement. Yeah. So like the bright blues and reds and yellows of the scarf, you could have really intricate wrapping techniques. And, you know, who looks really good in color? Women of color. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So it's just enhancing. Yeah. You can't beauty. stop. Yeah. yeah. You can't if stop someone's that. beautiful, you can, yeah, it's yeah. Okay. People aren't blind, you know. <laughs> um, so the women who were targets of this decree were inventive and imaginative, and they used, you know, the same jewels that they would put on their hair just on their the right. fabric. Yeah. And ribbons and any, you know, were inventive with their materials, maybe like combined different materials mm-hmm. and interpreted the law without technically breaking this law and were continued to be pursued by yeah. white, wealthy yeah. European men. Good. Once the U.S. took ownership of Louisiana in 1803, the Tignon laws were no longer enforced. So still, you know, because this was fashion statement, mm-hmm. some enslaved women and free women of color of African descent continued to wear these like head wraps as a symbol mm-hmm. of resistance to white colonialism. Wow. And so this is just like kind of like a side note, but like Empress Josephine of France, mm-hmm. you know, like Bonaparte's wife, eventually <laughs> adopted the headpiece and it became considered au couture in the early 19th oh, Jesus century. Fucking Christ. Yes, I know. Could have so called that, are, I guess. It's like the constant battle that black women have to yep. face, you know. Oh, there's like this discriminatory law and they yeah. make it cool and like find their own loophole and creativity around this and white women steal it like yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tale is all this time, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. 
So, and that's the story of the Plassage system and Tignon Laws of Louisiana. That is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I want there to be a show or something about this. I Mm -hmm. want, like, this history shown to me. You painted a great picture, Kate. Oh, thank you. That was excellent. It's like, you know, you want to do it right. And there's a lot of laws in history and, like, lots of things at play here. And, yeah. yeah. Thank you. That was really, like, I could, like, feel those women. You know? know? It's like they're just trying. Yeah. To do the best they can in the systems that are in place. Yeah. You know. That are fully against them. Yes. Yeah. Do you have a mini... Yes. ...topic? And um, it fits crazily well... Oh, great. um, ...in here today. So we're going to talk about the history of the beignet. Oh, good. (laughs) I mean, okay, so I told you that I was like, it's... New Orleans. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. But like I so you know, I heard New Orleans and I was like, okay, Beignet, like let's talk about mm-hmm. some sweets. And mm-hmm. like though this is crazy how it's Spanish and French coming into play here. So oh, great. Okay. I don't know this. Yeah. There it's it's kind of surprising. So it comes from the early Celtic word beignet, which means to raise. Isn't that crazy? Oh. Celtic. Okay. Beignet is also the French word for fritter. And Mm -hmm. so, like, obviously now we think of it as New Orleans. We think of it as a French pastry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to Rome. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. Because I guess I feel like every time I research some sort of food, it's like the Romans did it first, you know, ancient Rome. They knew what they were doing. Okay. And they made something called scriblita which was a dessert made out of high-moisture dough that was cooked in boiling animal fat. So glad that that's not kind the case. The same thing. Anymore. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> oil. Oil, canola uh-huh. oil, great for me. Imagine mm-hmm. how, like, heavy boiling an animal fat. I mean, fat. have you ever had, like, duck fat fries? Yeah, to me, yeah, delish, but, like, a yeah. pastry in that, I'm just, like, imagining it. Yeah, it's, like, I guess that's true. Too, too much for I me. I think that's why people were skinnier i read that somewhere where like people were skinnier because animal fat is there's some chemical that makes you think you're so much more full oh or like satisfied or something oh that makes sense yeah and so you only eat one rather than like yeah ten. i could literally eat four donuts easy like i fucking <laughs> love a donut fried dough mm. mm-hmm. So there is also, you know, time goes by, circumstantial evidence that there was an Andalusian introduction of beignets into Mediterranean Uh France. And the Spanish name for a yeasted fritter type donut is buelos. Oh, okay. So like, here we are, French and Spanish history. Love that. Coming into this one little thing. Mm And then I guess there's like Buñuelos now. Yes, yeah. Which I yeah. That's what I okay. thought. Like my my first th- thought was, is this a misspelling of yeah. Buñuelos? Uh-huh. Uh, it must be some sort of similar derivative item. Or, yeah, yeah uh-huh. some sort of uh-huh. food. And then you know French colonists of the 18th century bring the recipe and the custom of making beignets into New Orleans. And some mm-hmm. historians believe that Ursuline nuns specifically were the ones to do oh my to God. bring them in 1727 they left france and came to new orleans oh so my i just God. thought okay. you know group That's of fun. ladies 
making there their treats. Ur- <laughs> That's so cute. Okay, so there was a uh, Ursuline nun reference in my oh, in your research story, yeah. Oh. And it was, you know, when they were trying to send white orphans oh. to New Orleans, okay, for like potentially be wives for yes. you know the Europeans that lived there, and they would send them, and they would. They called them casket girls because they would put all their belongings in a casket. And the Ursuline oh. nuns were the ones that took care of, like, these casket girls until they okay. got married. Oh, my God. Casket girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. They were really desperate, weren't they? Trying to, get, <laughs> trying to get anyone over there. Yeah. And then, like, there's nuns coming who literally, you know, that, what, do, what does that do? Nothing for yeah. these men. Yeah. Good. Wow. I love when things, like, weave together. I know. Love that. Well, oh, and that's, well, so that's the history of the beignet that's for you. Great. I go get love a donut. Beignet. Yeah, I have been to Cafe du Monde mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Yep. Let me tell you. Okay, this is a pro tip. Yeah, for anyone who's I've going. never been. So, don't go in the morning chaotic. And okay. if you do, there's a line which is fake. You can go just walk in. Oh, and go really? sit down somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd say, like, the best time to go is after you go drinking and go... Because oh, it's open fun. 24 hours, so you can go <gasps> yeah. whenever you want. Late yeah. night snack. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so fun. And that's kind of, like, romantic, you know, nighttime. Yeah. Or you're... Yeah. Or you're drunk and just <laughs> I'm want romanticizing <laughs> a drunken night out, I mean, you know. That, that's fun. Yes. That's a vibe. Yes, yes, yes. Donuts yes. in the middle yeah. of the night. Mm-hmm. Cute. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Do you have a recommendation for I me? do. Um, we've been kind of watching a lot of things recently. Devouring. Because COVID is still a thing. And yeah. I'm tired from Christmas. So <laughs> one of the movies that we saw recently is I started it with my mom when I was at home, but then I finished with you, mm-hmm. was How to Steal a Million with Ugh. Audrey Hepburn. Let's set the scene. Paris, the mm-hmm. 60s. Yep. Peter O'Toole. Givenchy you know, clothes. If you know B- Peter O'Toole, he was the voice of the food critic in Ratatouille. <laughs> I don't know. He's cute. He's super he's cute. I, I never like, really thought just... of him as a love interest, but he was no, so me cute. Either. So cheeky. Like, yeah. twinkle I mean, in his give eye. Me, give me a brown hair, brown eye. Man, yeah, I agree. And I agree. I'm there. But <laughs> I think he's adorable him and his like slim suits and his slim ties in the 60s like mm-hmm. it's a like, quirky fun mischievous yeah watch it it's mm-hmm. about like stealing art mm-hmm. selling fakes it, mm-hmm. it, it was so fun I can't believe mm-hmm. I have never seen it before an mm-hmm. absolute thrill I couldn't get over it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it was really great mm-hmm. that's a good one thank you Thank you. What about you? My rock today is an Etsy shop because we do not gatekeep here. We share. Ooh, so we do share. I got an amazing bag from my parents for oh Christmas. My God, yes. So cute. It's mm-hmm. so cute. It's from um, Cerise Paris on Etsy. Mm-hmm. C-E-R-I-S-E. And it's mm-hmm. just like an adorable crocheted I'll post a pic of it, but just, mm-hmm. you know, like an everyday bag that honestly mm-hmm. could be like an all year round, um, like a straw bag. It's so yeah, cute. cute. And they have so many cute, like market mm-hmm. bags, things like that. Absolutely adorable. Get a bag from Cerise Paris mm-hmm. Etsy shop. With I that, love your bag. <laughs> I know. I love it. So I was just staring at it when I got it. I was like, wow, this is <laughs> such a thrill. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, with that, I guess, should I share our word of the day? Please. Okay. So, once again, Kate stays inspiring me. <laughs> mm, okay. So, our word of the day is cocotier, which mm. is allegedly where we get the word cocktail from. Mm-hmm. So, in my research, I saw, obviously, it's French. Mm-hmm. And it's... Okay, so in my research, I saw several different ways in which people think we got the word cocktail in the U.S. Mm-hmm. or in English. Yeah, mm-hmm. And this is the most fun, so I'm just sticking with this. <laughs> so, <laughs> the others were like, they were interesting, but this is like fun and ties in with the theme today. So okay, great. It is thought to be called cocktail now because of the English speaking people mispronouncing the French mm-hmm. word for egg cup. Mm -hmm. which is cocotier. Mm -hmm. And apparently a New Orleans apothecary, Antoine Amide Peixaud of Peixaud Mm -hmm. Bitters, Mm, which, Mm -hmm. you know, the best around, Mm -hmm. would serve his brandy, would serve brandy with his bitters in egg cups. So Mm -hmm. he would call it cocotier. This is in the 18th century. Mm -hmm. And so I think somehow it got changed into cocktail. So Love that. Yeah. Yep. So everyone, yeah, have a donut and have a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Two of my favorite Together. things. Yeah. I love a brandy cocktail. Uh, so yeah, cocktail. cocotier. Cheers, cocotier. enjoy. Mmm. <laughs> thank you. So fun. Thank uh, you. It makes some... me want to go to New Orleans now. God, I, go need, I need to go. Some gumbo, Crawfish. some jambalaya, have a yeah. beignet. Get spooked by some ghosts. No, thank you. But yes. <laughs> Well, I know some people you. do like that. Yeah. Thank you <laughs> thank so you much everyone. for an incredible topic, Kate. That was really, really wonderful. I really like that. I hope that. I did it justice. Please let me know if we need to update anything. Yeah. Correction corner something. But trying to do history justice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, know. you for teaching us. So thank you, everyone. And we'll, we will talk to you next time. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you.